windows. The Bucks got all the right steps in Charleston. They now can try their slipper and see if it fits at the big ball. East Tennessee State Buccaneers, they're dancing, boys and girls. Perea lays it up. 1.4. Perea hits it. The pass is caught. Ready for the game winner. Wide left. Bucks win. Nucky spotting for three. The place is going to erupt. Oh, Deuce Bellow. He's going to make Sports Center with an incredible. Jarvis Jones, the game winner, got it. Ball game. East Tennessee State's going to leave on another. They got him. If he catches it, it's over. Ball game. Touchdown, Jawan Stinson. 25 yards. J.J. German for the win. He got it. J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs. And the sidekick. Say hello to my little friend. What's your name, man? I told you. It doesn't matter what your name is. You're handsome. You have the perfect amount of scruff. And you still have no talent. It's Sandos and the sidekick on the Buccaneers Sports Network. And it is a glorious Monday afternoon, a great weekend. ETSU gets off the schnod with a big win at VMI. And, boy, it was not for a do, lack of trying by both teams to make it entertaining. Offenses certainly didn't want to hang on to the football. It was hot potato weekend on Friday. Ten turnovers. ETSU would force six turnovers. They would also turn over four times themselves. ETSU had five interceptions all of last year. They had five in that contest. Mike Gallagher was just two. That's Mike Gallagher, Jay Santos on Santos and the Sidekick, our podcast. You can download on SoundCloud and on iTunes. But you were just a couple weeks off from that prediction, right? I'm you went game one. It know, was week three. I thought I would have to pull that back from the couple weeks ago and bring it to this point, but I'm glad that you brought it up because I do feel a little bit of redemption here. I feel like that I have finally uh, gotten to the point where my predictions are going to be in the ballpark within a couple of weeks. And that's good for me uh, because after – the ETSU defense didn't have the five interceptions that I predicted them to have on opening night against Mars Hill, matching that total, as you said. I mean, what, what was the exact total from – is it seven interceptions they had going, coming into the season since football came back or whatever the case may have been? Well, 12. Had, they, they, 12. It was 12 total. So they had five last year. Yes. Right. So I was I was hoping that they would have five Mars Hill. That was my bold prediction then. And now, two weeks later, they have five. So uh, there is, in a way, some semblance of a good prediction there if you are able to think a little outside the box, which for my sake, I'm absolutely going to. Much like Randy Sanders, I knew that ability was there, and it's good to finally see it come around. Well, I, I tell you, they were in the right spot, and that always helps, right? So you're, you're in the right spot, right technique, different. There was only really, I'm trying to think, the, the first interception was a little bit of want to because the ball hopped around five, six times. I thought that times. was an incredible play by Don Weigel. Oh, exactly. To rip it Del out. Weigel, like a run, just stripped it out. That one a little, if you look at all the, the other four interceptions, honestly, ETSU was just in the right spot. Dominique Williams played the corner out perfectly. Jared Folks, as VMI tried to run the same play back-to-back, and he blitzed on the first play. The second one, he got great depth for a linebacker, which you normally don't do. He had the game of his life. He picks off the pass. Karan DeLentz, just one-on-one coverage on the sideline, out leaps the receiver for it. And then on the double the pass, MJ yeah. Woods, the freshman, the safety, didn't get fooled. He was in the right spot. He picked so four times. Guys were in the right spot. One time, just a great play by Dylan Weigel, but I credit the coaching, the secondary, Coach Brown, the secondary's coach, Coach Taylor, you know, having the right defense called for those guys to be in the right spot. But a little bit of great coaching and, honestly, great execution from the players. Well, and what ball recognition. I mean, that's one of the things with defensive backs that you usually don't see is someone knowing where the ball is in coverage or being disciplined enough to, on a double pass, stay true to your assignment, come over, make that play. And then also just to catch the ball. I mean, we talk about it so often, and you see it almost every single game in college football especially, that there are two or three would-be interceptions that just go in and out of guys' hands. But ETSU did not let their opportunities slip out of those hands this weekend. I think it was a, an important win, and when you don't know how to win, on the road especially, I mean, ETSU, just their second win in four years on the road, their first in 14 years as far as league play 5,831 days. You've got that now, number in my head now. Now, the, the, the difference, obviously they went about 12 years without playing a game, and they went another year, uh, the first year of football, without conference games. So it's, But they went, you know, Makes two, for a good two year, but they still went two years without a conference road win and their first win in year three, they, they, their first chance in year three, I should say, they get a win. And honestly, I think most people expect ETSU to be better in VMI, and, and, and they were. It wasn't by a whole lot. But, again, the, there's a one that goes either in the left column or the right column, the left column being the win column. And the Bucks were able to get that, and that all matters. Now, how will that help down the road that ETSU's figured out how to win? The other thing I would say 
is if you give the defense credit for making all the plays and the offense just gutting it out enough, right? When they needed a couple of drives, they got those drives. They certainly turned it over uh, enough. But when they needed drives, long-sustaining drives, helped the defense out. One ended in a field goal. One did end in a touchdown. But they were able to do that. It was just disappointing early. But when your offense doesn't hit on all cylinders and you're able to still get a win, I still think you have to just take it as a win and move on and not dwell on it. Well, certainly an up-and-down day, and Coach Randy Sanders thought the same. He was able to join you post-game and definitely highlighted both areas, one that he was very happy with and another that he knows needs improvement. Basically, we give them 14 points. I asked the quarterback there one time whose team he was on. Was he point-shaving? It, it, that interception <laughs> he threw there in the first half looked like he had money on the game, and, and, and I'd bet on the wrong team. I, I thought he bounced back. He competed. He played hard. Our guys play hard. we got to learn to play smart. And, and I was just telling somebody a minute ago, it's, it's, it's a lot of things that um, – you, you try to coach everything you can, but some of it's just common football sense, and sometimes we just lose our common football sense. Now, I didn't have the chance to see our interceptions, the ones we threw, but the point shaping, again, the most unquotably quotable coach in college football is Randy Sanders. He'll go days and days without saying anything outside the box and then hit you with a point shaving quarterback quote or a, naked, naked, a sure. naked down the highway quote. Uh, it's incredible what he's able to pull out of the bag, but I didn't see those interceptions. You were there. I mean, was it as bad as he made it sound? Two, two, well, the, the interception return for a touchdown, there was, and, and I've watched the video replay and watching it live, there was no, the, the tight end, and it was Nate Atkins, a freshman, supposed to engage and then go in the flat. The problem is he engaged and stayed engaged, and when he finally tried to go in the flat, the guy he was blocking was already in the flat. And so it hit him right in the numbers, and granted, he's only about five, six, two hundred 200-pound linebacker, you know, so he's low to the ground. Now, talking to Joe Vento, the John C. Press, who said he asked Marshy about it. Marshy said he was trying to throw it in the ground, the, but because he was backing up off the back foot, it came out funny. <laughs> but a 5'6 guy is so close to the ground that it hit him right in the numbers, right? right? And that was the joke was, well, he's 5'6", <laughs> he just, you know, it came out funny. My, my other thing is uh, just, just me being the cynic that I always am is, well, that's what I would say. Hey, I was just trying to throw it in the ground. Sure. You know, instead of, hey, I thought the guy was other. But anyway, that, that obviously, he hit the opposing team – in stride, in the middle of the numbers, between the three and the two, and he walked into the end zone. The other um, two aunties, one, he threw a wheel route, and I think he was just predetermined to throw that because the the cornerback that was in the zone literally didn't move. He was just standing there waiting on the ball that hit him, and that was a very well-scouted job in playing their assignments from VMI. Uh, and, and even the third – and I'm trying to think of the third interception – I think was very similar too. A guy was was kind of there, and you didn't know why why he threw that one as well. So, I mean, it wasn't one where I felt like the DB came up and made a good play. I think they were self inflicted wounds, and then the, the other one was a fumble, which wasn't an interception, but just a center exchange. Right? How many times you done it in your life to take a snap from center? I know shotguns more popular now in high school and college it's ever been before but still as a quarterback you'd assume that that's probably one thing you still have to know how to do, and that was the fourth turnover. So four turnovers. Very bad. Um, and, and I think, you know, VMI was in the right spot a couple of times, but that doesn't mean the, the ball had to be thrown right to him. So, obviously a frustrating day offensively for ETSU. The fumble we'll hear more from you on in pros versus Jays in our third segment here oh. today after Kevin Brown joins us to break down the game. He was there, and there's some great audio from him. I forgot to throw it into our system, so we won't be able to hear it, but him chasing down Coach at halftime was absolutely brilliant. He's right behind us, and he's going to join us here in a little bit. But uh, Coach Sanders, I think, has really wanted to see the special teams be better. It's been a major area of concern these first couple of weeks, but he saw a lot of pluses on Friday in Lexington. A great step forward. We had the punt return. We had the big kickoff return right there before half that set us up to get a field goal. You know, I, I thought Marion kicked the ball well. I thought J.J. kicked the ball well. I, th- I thought uh, Kunak kicked off well. It, it was nice. You know, no turnovers. Didn't have a punt blocked. So anytime you don't fumble a punt and get a punt blocked, it makes it a better day. And uh, the fact that we were able to get points and then set up points makes it even better. And you know, Coach Day uh, does a phenomenal job as our special teams coordinator, and all our coaches are involved in it. Uh, it. It was good to finally see all the hard work that he's put in and we put in on special teams coming together. 
it didn't seem like there was any one area of special teams where things weren't going well. It seemed like everything was clicking. Things finally started to hit their stride. When I'm thinking about it off the top of my head, I can't come up with a special teams play that really set ETSU back, and I, I may be glossing over one as an ETSU mind would, uh, but it, all I remember is the, the big Quan Harrison returns, and then, of course, J.J. German um, you know, uh, makes, uh, makes the field goal. Well, he had two field goals, I believe, that day, and, and makes both of those, and so that's back to a positive, and it sounded like there were some good punts as well. So, I mean, uh, I didn't when I think about the game now, um, don't have much come to mind that wasn't a big step in that right direction, a huge step forward, as Coach Sanders said. Well, and J.J. German, uh, with the two field goals, tied, has tied the school record with uh, Jerry Chapman for most uh, field goals in a career with 37. So he will leave ETSU. I'm going to go out on a limb and say he's going to get one more before the season's out. He will leave the all-time uh, greatest field goal kicker in ETSU history as far as, as made field goals go and stuff. And so I, and and to be honest, Jerry Chapman played on a team that also threw up a ton of points and offensively was able to go. I mean, J.J. German has basically been the Bucks' offense at times throughout the years where just as soon as they cross the 50, they're just trying to figure out how to get a field goal because Bucks couldn't score a touchdown. So Jerry had a lot more opportunities. Now his team put up more touchdowns, but he had a lot more opportunities in the opposing team's area to, to get field goals in. And I thought – you know, Watson had a couple of bad breaks. Even J.J. Germany even punted him one time. They got a couple bad bounces or, or with the wind that didn't stop inside the 20. And Watson, that's one thing I will say. He's got some knocks in his game that, you know, he, he deserves some criticism. There's certainly been some blocking uh, problems that, that he gets blamed for on a block punt where guys come scot-free. There's nothing to do about it as a punter that sometimes I think is unfair Tennessee to him. To exactly. Yeah. So there's times that, that he takes stuff that, that he shouldn't. But the one thing he had been really good at was, was downing teams inside the 20. And it just, again, the, there was some wind or some other things. There's some bad bounces. That's a natural grass surface. Sometimes uh, you don't know how that's going to go compared to a turf. Turf gives you a little more true bounce, if you will. You're not going to get a bad bounce. So, uh, But that was a little disappointing. But that was the only, I, I think, disappointment when you look at special teams. The, the coverage good. Landon Kunak, several uh, touchbacks. The one time they did bring it out, Bucks were able to stop them before they got to the 25. Punt coverage was great. Uh, all fair catches when it was caught. I mean, there wasn't a chance of a punt being blocked all day. Kick return was phenomenal. Punt return, obviously, uh, first one since 97 at Anthony Stringfield. So you look at all that, I think it was a great day for special teams, great day for defense, offense, which has come along a little slow. But, again, they're everybody back on special teams, Kunak, German, Watson, all back. The defense, generally speaking, all back. And then you add Jared Folks to the mix, right, and what he's meant to the team so far. I mean, he's been unbelievable. I think the safety play has been very good. I mean, MJ Woods is a true freshman that was thrown into duty because midweek Tyree Robinson couldn't go. And think about what he's been able to do and bouncing back from a fumble he had at Tennessee. So I think defense right where it needs to be. I think it's just once the offense gets going, right? And let's talk about the offensive line. I don't know if you're going to have a bite on that or not. But the offensive line didn't allow a sack for the first time since football's been back. Right. Think about that. On a day, the defense had eight sacks. That's a pretty big disparity, and that's another place where the game changes. Uh, It was a great day for the defense, great for the special teams, great day for a victory for Coach Sanders. Just being able to get on the bus, ride home, and not feel bad about not winning the game. You know, we got a chance to get on the bus and actually hold our head up and feel proud and and be excited about uh, what happened today. You know, we got to go back to work tomorrow. we still got a lot to do. We got a lot of improvement to make, a lot to accomplish that we want to accomplish, but it's nice to get a win. It'll be nice to sit on that bus after a win, ride back to Johnson City, and, and get ready to have a cigar tonight. Yeah, a cigar, and he also threw in a Diet Pepsi about 10, 15 seconds later. Some are claiming on Twitter, and I'm going to dispel any myth, that he said Diet Coke right before a cigar. Untrue. Don't know what they're talking about. Never heard that. I just heard the bite. I didn't, I didn't Exactly, yeah. No, yeah, I, I, I just I went back and looked through it. I just wanted to make sure, so I wasn't telling anyone the wrong thing, but it was Diet Pepsi about 10 seconds later, Diet Coke. I don't know what you're talking about. Pepsi's amazing. I mean, I, the, the network has been accused of not letting the facts get in the way in a good story, and I, I, can't, I, I cannot confirm nor deny that, but I'll just say I, I'm going with what I just heard. So I'll go with that. Good editing. So when we come back, we're going to talk to Kevin Brown about the win Kevin against Brown. VMI. Mr. Stats himself will let us know about it. what a big day it was for ETSU after this time out. This is Sandos and the Sidekick. Don't forget to download us on SoundCloud. Subscribe to RSS and download us on iTunes. And uh, hopefully the rest of the week we'll be on Facebook Live. You can watch us there as well. We'll step aside for a timeout. Kevin Brown on the other side of Sandos and the Sidekick on the Buccaneer Sports Network. Get ready to get your game on with the Tennessee Lottery and fill up your day with fun. Like when you need to upgrade the fun on that road trip. When you could use a little did I just win $50 fun. Woo, yeah! Or when you like to add a side of fun to that next snack. 
Wow, Would you like some fun with that? Well, yeah. Then play the Tennessee Lottery. And for just a dollar or two, you can get your game on. Please remember, play responsibly. Citizens Bank and our growing lending team are excited to support the game broadcasts of the ETSU Buccaneers. We are proud to provide a lineup of options that fit the needs of local businesses, whether it's an expansion loan, remote deposit service, SBA loan, or treasury management services, we can help your business grow. Visit our website or your local Citizens Branch to speak with a qualified lender to learn more. From everyone at Citizens Bank, go Bucks! Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. Looking to promote your business but don't know the best avenue? Stand out from the crowd and go big with billboards. We're Allison Outdoor, and we're the new guys in town. Whether it's digital or traditional billboards, our locations span the Tri-Cities. If you're looking for high exposure for a day, a year, or anything in between, we have rates and packages for you. Call Nick Stickley for pricing at 423-360-4809 or allisonoutdoor.com. And go Bucks! I feel like day after day it's all the same. I know there's more out there. I, I just can't reach out and grab it. <laughs> Does that sound crazy? Um, no, but I'm a butcher. Perhaps a nice seafood dinner would help? Gosh, that sounds great. Excellent. I'll steam some shrimp for you. Really? No one's ever said that before. At Food City, our butchers can't solve your existential crisis, but they can offer a ton of other great services you won't find at most other grocery stores. Butchers make it better. Only at Food City. Today and every day, the Johnson City Way. Johnson City Hyundai is proud to support East Tennessee State Athletics. Excellence in education, teamwork and trust, success and understanding. They are the core values that drive the ETSU Athletics program to excellence. ETSU Athletics and Johnson City Honda, a winning combination. The Johnson City Way. Today and every day, Johnson City Honda is committed to bringing the Tri-Cities a truly unique way to buy a new Honda or a certified pre-owned Honda. It's a way of business we like to call the Johnson City Way. When you come to Johnson City Honda, you can have the confidence in knowing you're getting a great deal along with outstanding customer service that will last long after the sale. We invite you to come by today and shop our outstanding selection of vehicles and experience a different way, an easy way, our way, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, proud to support the ETSU Athletics Program. Today and every day, the Johnson City way. Johnson City Honda, Johnson City. We have to have the creepy music for him. Santos and Hassan kick back. Jay Santos, Mike Gallagher, and you heard Kevin Brown, our sports information head of communications for ETSU football, join us there. He was our driver, at least my driver, on the way up to lovely, spacious Lexington, Virginia. I will say this, Kevin. We, we were driving up. We watched um, the the map because of the, the, the remnants of the hurricane, and although it wasn't hitting Virginia a little later, still they were forcing – pop-up showers everywhere, and every time we looked at that thing on the drive up, it was going to rain, it was going to be nasty, it was going to be that. It was windy, but other than that, it, it sprinkled maybe for a few seconds, but other, it was an unbelievably great day to play an afternoon football game. Yeah, you can't beat the weather we had, especially for what was forecast. It's supposed to be 70 80% chance of rain in Lexington Friday afternoon, and we may have had a few drops here and there. And On the way up there on 81, though, we did hit some rain and some big pockets of rain, but None of that made its way to the field at uh, Foster Stadium. So we were fortunate. We had to battle a little bit of wind, but you know what? We overcame that weather obstacle and picked up the first road win since uh, 2002 in the SoCon. So perfect day for moving the game up. I believe that they played Saturday. Lexington probably got pounded a little bit by Hurricane Florence. So it was a great decision to move that game to Friday. Bucks took care of business and got an extra day to prepare for Furman this weekend. Do you think that just moving it up a day led to there was miscues everywhere, both both squad. Do you think moving up a day led to miscues? It's Friday afternoon. I mean, even in high school, you don't play Friday afternoon. It's just an odd day. It's an odd time. It's a day earlier. I don't know that it really matters, but in the scheme of the world, we're, we weren't 18, 22-year-old kids getting ready for that game, and I don't know if that had anything to do with it. But certainly there were a ton of miscues, and it was a little bit of a war of attrition on who didn't want to win as opposed to maybe who did want to win. Yeah, there were some miscues and some penalties that you'd like to see taken back, some unsportsmanlike conduct and personal fouls that I think Coach Sanders and the defense will address this week in practice. But 
you know, you're in college, you get prepared to play. Yeah, moving a day, the game up a day, probably put a wrinkle into things. You have to travel on Thursday evening up to Lexington, and you're not sleeping in your bed, you're sleeping in a hotel. And it's the first time they had an overnight road trip this season. So it was a first for the Bucks, uh this year, staying in a hotel, waking up, having breakfast with the team, going through some walkthroughs and everything. But I don't know if you have put so much weight onto that. So it was a good learning experience, you know, in the, in the uh, summer. We had to sit through some lightning delays and scrimmages and practices. We had to sit through a lightning delay in Knoxville and Tennessee. So the Bucks have got to face some of these uh, unique occurrences that could happen throughout the season. So now, should something like this happen again, they're prepared for it, just like they were prepared for these lightning delays that happened in Knoxville. All right, I want you to spill the details here. I want your uncensored, unbiased opinion, or if you know facts on the matter, I want you to share those with us as well. Logan Marchi, after missing two plays, was he injured or was he not when he came back on for that third play and ran the ball into the end zone from 19 yards out? I say that's gamesmanship. Right when it happened, I said, you know what? Randy Sanders is brilliant because he played like Logan Marchi after taking a shot low was injured when, in fact, he was never injured. He just said, come on, Austin Herrick, go out there for two plays, and then we're going to play the old decoy and have him come in and run one in. Quarterback draw. All right, go. Boom. Yeah, and this is long, the longest run for him, 19-yard touchdown. and That wasn't the question. It was, was it gamesmanship or not? I mean, was he injured or not? What he told Joe Vento game. Joe asked him the question. He said he just had to get some new tape on his uh, on his foot there, and he was ready to go. So okay, okay. I don't think he was injured, no. I think it's brilliant. I think it's an absolutely phenomenal coach. But when I saw that, I was like, we're operating at a different level today, and there's no way we lose this game. Uh, other hard-hitting question. Have you ever been more exhausted than having to chase down Randy Sanders for that halftime interview? You Fair can point. Hear, you, Fair can point. Hear, you can hear on the audio, and I wish I would have dumped it into the system. Maybe I can do it after before we podcast it. But you can hear because the microphone's on before he gets him coach coach as he's chasing him down and then once he gets there it's coach okay we've got you uh, what your first half assessment <laughs> well, before you do that i want to know what you were thinking because he was now you knew where the locker room was because we not. tested yeah. and you were on the opposite side end zone knowing that he had to come to you so why you didn't stay where you knew they had to run to because nothing else he had to come to you at some point i was shocked you were standing where you were so i'm blaming you <laughs> for was, that too no you're right it was a bad location where i was set up on our sideline down the end zone I should have been on the other side of the field where they were going to run because as soon as German made that field goal the team sprinted off the field so I'm dodging our players I see where coach is I don't let him out of my sight and all of a sudden he picks up the speed I'm like oh no oh no and I'm like okay I got to pick it up here and I forgot I had the mic on so finally I'm chasing him down I'm like coach coach out of breath a little bit and you know but I got my two questions I need to say I caught him and well the job got done here's where I want to give you props is because you being as exhausted as you were the mind's racing the heart's pounding you still deliver the questions flawlessly that is a true professional that is Kevin Brown at his finest talk about uh, Jared Folks real quick uh, because we're I want to make sure I get all of our time in with you but talk about Jared Folks and the big day he had and the addition he's been to the team uh, he's been a huge addition to the team I know guys like Dylan Weigel Austin Gatewood and whatnot they love having him on that linebacker core on that defense and, you know, we went back and watched some of the film and got to change some of the plays that got called as rushes to pass plays and sacks. So he went from two sacks to three and a half sacks, which leads all FCS players this season, fourth most in ETSU single game history, and it moved our total from five to eight. But the presence he makes out there, playing at Temple those first few years on the FBS level and carrying that down here to ETSU on the FCS level, speaks volumes and he's just all over the place he's hungry to go out there and play he's hungry just to help the team in any way he can and you saw that on friday with an interception a forced fumble and just wreaking havoc in the backfield and whether if it's not a sack he was constantly putting pressure on vmi's quarterback all afternoon if there's an fcs defensive player of the week this week that isn't jared folks i'd be absolutely shocked because that stat line is unlike anything that you'll see across the country i thought the best play was the interception because as we were talking about with the defense and that ball recognition. I mean, you're a linebacker with your back to the offense, right up the seam in coverage. Usually there's no way you're getting your head around, but he not only got his head around, he was squared up to the ball when he made the catch. I thought it was an incredible play because that's not one you usually see from a linebacker. It was 25 yards off the ball. Yeah. You know, you start about six or seven. He, I mean, he, he's, he ran 20 yards with his head in the right spot. Then he was able to square up, and he really got hit right between the numbers for the interception. I mean, you really just don't see that. Yeah, and you got that veteran leadership by him that 
he knows what he's got to do, and he was in his, the right location. And watching the highlights after the game on the way home, seeing that play he made just to turn around and have the awareness and to hold on to that football to make that pick. Five picks on the afternoon for the Buccaneer defense. We didn't have one interception going into that game, and we had two of all last season. So what that defense did on Friday was an, uh, just a remarkable effort all across the board. I, I thought the other thing, and when guys transfer down, right, um, the one thing they talk about, they really couldn't get on the field at that, that level was when they get – to our level is how the game does slow down because let's be honest playing at Temple we played Notre Dame he's playing you know guys higher caliber athletes that were higher stars I mean everything that we know why FPS is different that doesn't mean FPS doesn't have a few players that could play on that level but in reality you know he could get in special teams he really wasn't good I mean and now he's a level he should be and he's at a dominant level the question I have besides the game slowing down for him a lot of rumors. He got one or two years left. Did we figure that out? Because I thought he only had one year left, but there were some people telling me he may have two years left. From what I was told entering the season, he's got two years left, so this year and next year. So that's what I was told. Probably need to go back and make sure that is accurate. But from what I was told this preseason, he's got two years left with the Bucks. so he'll finish out the 2018 season and play 2019 here in the blue and gold. So, And you talk about special teams, if I'm not mistaken, I believe he had one of the key blocks at the end of that Quan Harrison punt return for a touchdown that set up that first score, too. So he was just all over the place Friday, and what a great addition it is to have Jared Folks in this program. Other transfer from Temple, Logan Marchie. Do you think that there's any inkling from Coach Sanders, any feeling at all that he has to start looking at Austin Herrick and going back to him? I mean, this is kind of a judgment thing, right? Only No one can be in Randy's head and know what he's thinking. Um, and we already talked about, of course, a couple of plays that Austin came in, and that probably wasn't an injury situation. It was more just to get retaped, come back on, whatever the case may be. But with that performance against a VMI team that last year gave up like 500 points or whatever it was, do you think that there's any worry from Coach Sanders, worry from the fan base, and hope that people go to Austin Heron? I think you've seen some messages on social media, people asking, will a change be made? But I don't think there will be, again, during this Furman game. You look at what Logan was able to do on the ground with his, with his feet, picked up over 70 yards rushing, if I'm not mistaken, had the 19-yard touchdown run. The offensive line did not give up a sack because he's able to maneuver his way out of positions, break free, get on the run. Yeah, were some of his passes bad, and we're – should they have been throwing? No, but he's still learning. He's still learning this offense, and he's getting in a groove a little bit. And some some of the drop passes don't go on him, should be going on the receiver. So his uh, completion percentage should be higher than what it is, should be in the 50s. It's, it's high 40s right now, but I don't think you have to worry about him losing his job right now. Well, you mentioned there, Kobe Kelly dropped a couple, which there, is very there rare. There were for seven him. drops, wow. and, and Kobe Kelly, he made, I will say this Kobe Kelly did make one adjustment on a ball thrown behind he him. Did. That was a great grab. But he dropped two that, that normally he's caught his whole career. One of them was on a huge third down and would have given ETSU uh, inside the red zone on one of the first drives of the game after an interception. That could have changed the whole and um, the whole perception. Then uh, when they settled for the field goal in the right long drive, halftime. they threw a uh, they Colby Kelly dropped one inside the five and, and a ball that was, that hit him in hands. And so he dropped two in hands that he normally doesn't. Keith Coffey dropped one. Quan Harrison dropped one. I mean, it, Sailors dropped one. So you look at, um, let's say those seven complete, and I think the, the Sailors may have been with Herrick, but still, there were seven drop balls. If you look at, and Herrick only threw one pass, but you look at Logan and Austin together, they were 15 and 37. But if you're 22 of 37, and you add in the fact that Kobe was 20 yards down the field on each one, if not more, you know, now all of a sudden you're looking at 270 yards passing, drives are kept alive, and that just changes everything. So not only did, did Logan have a rough day missing players occasionally, but then when he did, I mean, it was just a day where the offense didn't click. The offensive line, I'm glad you hit on that because, to me, the best surprise of this year through three games is that offensive line. They've had some injuries. They've plugged in new guys. They've still been able to uh, do something that's only been done one time since restart football, which is three consecutive games of 100 yards rushing. And the first time ever in four years, they didn't allow a sack. Yeah, for what they did on Friday, it was very strong from that offensive line because they are banged up. You know, you, you're without Miles Smith, who got hurt at Tennessee. Then Cameron Parker's going in and out of the game. Uh, you got Tremont Shorts and starting his first game as a fresh, as a redshirt freshman. So they're picking and piecing places together on that offensive line. But they did a heck of a job on Friday. And I think you're, you're going to continue to see that with Coach McCutcheon and what he's been brought here to Johnson City. He's working strong with that offensive line, doing a great job. And they're going to continue to grow throughout the rest of this year. 
Last one from me. Was I the only one surprised by the running back split on Friday? Because it seemed like we were going much more Quay and Jacob, and this time it was more, a lot more Quay and only three carries for Sailors. He did have that one long reception where he kind of cut back middle of the field. It was like 30-some yards, but much more Holmes than Sailors. Anybody. Yeah, you're Anybody right. We saw more of than Sailors, but I think we'll we'll continue to see Sailors more. Uh, he did have that big reception down the sideline for about 30 yards. It was a big play for the Bucks, but he's he's done some good things. He's averaged over six, seven yards. I thought he's looked great, and so that's why I was kind of surprised when they went so heavy on Holmes and a lot less on Sailors. Well, and I don't know. Maybe it's a question when the 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 news conference with coach happens at 12, but I, there was a lot more in between that is funny with the running backs. It was a lot more in between the tackles. And when they ran outside, it was a lot of design quarterback rollouts that were made to look like passes, get the linebackers and, and uh, cornerbacks in the drop. And then Marcy just took off. And so there was a lot, it was weird. It was almost like the game plan was, and I, I do feel like that, not that sailors doesn't have the ability to go between the tackles, but I feel like they're a lot more comfortable with homes in between the tackles. Also like the fact and I know a lot of people don't or generally don't, but your two tailbacks are back there returning kicks now. And I said this right before the long one is I don't know that Holmes has home run hitting ability, but it was almost like uh, when you see guys like uh, Legarrette Blunt, or there's been other starting tailbacks in NFL that are like 240, 250 kick returners, and people were confused by that. And I'm like, well, it's because they can break a tackle and then get you near midfield. And it feels like when Holmes is back there, they're not really looking for the touchdown, but they're looking to break a tackle and get further down the field, which they were able to start at the 29-yard line. Yeah, he had two returns, one for 69 yards, I think, overall, but the kickoff returns had 90-plus yards uh, on the kickoff, had over 150 all-purpose yards on the day. So big afternoon for Quay Holmes. He did what he was supposed to do, and he did rip through some tackles, and he rumbled down inside the, the 30 on uh, that one kickoff return that set up the J.J. German field goal right before half. So a huge addition for the Bucks and special teams there. And I think you can also see Jacob Saylor's back when he's back there. He's got that speed that could break one, and if he gets out in the open, he'll take it back to the house and get another return for the Bucks. Real quick, and this is uh, moving forward with Furman. Last year, the, the big difference in the Furman game was the secondary just getting lost in coverage, right? And and Furman didn't have – I don't think they had a negative play the entire game. So ETSU had trouble just combating that. Now, jowski has gone. They've got two freshman quarterbacks. They've struggled with turnovers. To, to me, the biggest – telltale sign in this game for ETSU because the defense has been so dominant up front. Will the secondary be able to sort of keep up? And so far, um, even playing Tennessee, um, there was one or two blown coverage. But overall this season, not a lot of blown coverages as we saw last year. There's been a lot of pass interference calls. But other than that, it seems like, to me, that's the when you look at the game between Furman, because ETSU moved Austin Herrick's school record, right, passing yards, uh, long long drives for touchdowns, two 100-yard receivers. I mean, everything you go into it offensively, really in two games against him, uh, really hadn't been that awful. But the secondary has been the biggest issue. Am I right or wrong in thinking that the biggest matchup to watch in next week's game versus Furman is the secondary? I think you're exactly right. And you look at Furman, they haven't really passed the ball much this season. I think about 26, 26 27 pass attempts. But they're, they're going to look at this film and see the Bucks have gotten beat on some big plays this season, and they're going to want to maybe focus on that area because right now the Bucks lead the SOCON in rush defense, allowing less than 60 yards per carry on, the, on a game. And that's what Furman's bread and butter is right now. They like to run the football, but if the Bucks are stuffing that run, you got to watch out for maybe a play-action pass for Furman and going deep, and we have to be ready for that. If you look at it, the two games that we played Furman since returning to football in the SoCon, Furman's racked up over 1,100 yards offense, 614 passes, 506 rushing. So they have been built offensively coming in here. And I was talking to Coach Sanders this morning, Jay. This kind of has a similar feeling to 2006. They come in here, I believe, it was like 0-5, 0-6 after playing the likes of Kennesaw State, Michigan State, the Coastal Carolina, Charleston Southern. And they weren't a bad team. They just played a stout schedule early on. They come in, and I believe they scored on the first seven possessions, go up 49 nothing, and win 56-7. And then last year – It was 35 nothing first quarter. And then last year it was 56-35. We got things going offensively. But it's kind of got that eerily feeling where you wanted them to play Colgate last Saturday because that would have been a good game. I think Furman would have beat Colgate. Granted, Colgate is ranked in the top 25, but it would have been a home game for the Paladins. They're going to come in here with that – couple extra days rest uh, without playing or a full week's rest without playing a game but they didn't know until late in the week that they weren't playing that Colgate game so leading up to it 
they're planning for Colgate. Now they got a few extra days planned for ETSU, so they're going to come in here hungry and want to make an example. we got to be ready for that. And this is also their, their third game of the season. will be all on the road. You've got to play a home game. Sometimes you try to work out a few different things at home. So we'll see how that goes. The one thing I can say is that ETSU, at least in Thomas – uh, not Thomas Stadium, it's baseball. Green Stadium, how about that? I'm actually sitting here looking at the name as I'm in the president's suite. But uh, the one thing about it, five and two, and you can look at it, the two lot. Bucks have been very much a different team, as you expect a lot of teams to be, at home than on the road. So we'll see if that pans out against Furman. And we got a lot to talk about with Furman as the week goes along. Dan Scott will join us on Tuesday, their play-by-play voice. Thursday we'll talk to the head coach. And so we'll, we'll get everything kind of steamrolling for ETSU and Furman. We'll step aside for a timeout. Thanks, Thanks Kevin. Kevin. Appreciate Thanks, it, guys. buddy. That's uh, Kevin Brown. We'll step aside for a timeout on Santos in the sidekick. And when we come back, it's a segment I don't like, but Mike Gallagher and – Best segment on the show. Jacob Townsend seemed to uh, like it, so we'll, we'll we'll have that next. It's pros versus Jay, and so we'll hear. I don't know what call they're going to use. Jay needs the show. I'm just, yeah, that's fair. Uh, we'll do that after this time. I don't forget, Sando side, uh, Sidekick Side is click. downloadable on SoundCloud, is what I was trying there to say. Go. And on iTunes, you can subscribe on the RSS feed as well. More Santos and Sidekick after this on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Nice Wonger Children's Hospital is proud to be the only hospital in the region dedicated to serving kids, teens, and their families. With over 20 subspecialists in pediatric medicine, as well as access to the Level 1 Trauma Center at Johnson City Medical Center, we are committed to providing hope and healing to you and your family. To learn more, visit NiceWongerChildrens.org. That's NiceWongerChildrens.org. The Carnegie Hotel is Johnson City's only AAA four-diamond property that is unique, tranquil, and brimming with character, just adjacent to East Tennessee State University. When it's time to dine, Wellington's Restaurant in the Carnegie Hotel is the place to be, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner in grand style. And why not come indulge yourself at Austin Springs Spa, located right inside the Carnegie Hotel. East Tennessee's premier full-service spa provides everything you need to rejuvenate, revive, and renew. The Carnegie Hotel, 12 16 State of Franklin Road in Johnson City. Here's the deal. At Wendy's, every hamburger is made with fresh, never frozen beef. Now here's the big deal. You can get a day's double with a half pound of hot and juicy beef along with small fries and a drink for just $5 when you download the Wendy's app. And the real deal? That's a whole lot of delicious Wendy's food for just $5. Download the app today. Fresh beef available in the contiguous U.S., Alaska, and Canada at participating Wendy's for a limited time. Mulliken Hardwood Flooring is a beautiful addition to any room. Enjoy the luxury of hardwood flooring in your home with Mulliken's prefinished, sold, or engineered, ready-to-install selection of beautiful hardwood flooring and a wide variety of domestic and exotic species. Please visit the following Johnson City locations to learn more. Dockery's Floor Covering, House of Paneling, Carpet and Door Mart, and K&M Flooring. Kingsport locations include Dalton Direct Carpets, Custom Floors by Carlin, El Providence Flooring and Paint. Visit the Smile Floor Service in Bristol. Trust the clear leader in quality hardwood flooring, Mulliken Flooring. Bucks fans and football fans across the country can now design their dream home during pregame or halftime. The new My Designs app by General Shale lets you create custom projects right from your phone or tablet. Choose from 10 home and building structures designed with over 50 popular brick and stone colors. You can even share your designs with friends. Download the My Designs app by General Shale on the App Store or visit MyDesignsApp.com to design your dream project today. General Shale, a proud supporter of ETSU Athletics. New coach, new era, new day. Hear from ETSU football headman Randy Sanders all fall on the ETSU Coaches Show now on Wednesday nights. If you're scared by all the change, dopey. Voice of the Bucks, Jay Sando, still host from Wild Wing Cafe, and it's still a 6 o'clock start now every Wednesday throughout the football season. Morristown native and new ETSU football head coach Randy Sanders on the ETSU Coaches Show right here on WXSM AM 640. The Extreme Sports Monster. Pros. Buckle up for Kobe Kobe Bryant just sucked the gravity out of the target center. What a pass. Five seconds left in the game. Do you believe in miracles? Yes! In your life have you seen anything like that? In the deep left center for Mitchell. And we'll see you tomorrow. High fly ball. has happened. 
Bryant's hit 42 home runs during the regular season. Versus Jays. I need a shower. The most unfair bumper ever recorded in the history of bumpers. Very representative of Pro <laughs> Jays. I mean, and and you know what will lend credence and support to that this week is your call. Uh, and you, to be fair, identified this one. This was not me. You said, you know, it would be great because I listened back to the highlights. And now you're much like me. When you call a game, you don't really remember a lot of what you're saying. You kind of black out for three, three and a half yeah. hours. In our yeah. case, like no 12, idea. 12 hours because the broadcasts are, are marathons. Um, and we appreciate every second of it. But since it's that long, you just don't – everything kind of blends together. And so this week, you listen back to the highlights – and you picked out one and you said, that's got to go on pros versus Jays. I wholeheartedly agreed. I found a couple pros in similar situations that reacted a bit differently. But let's hear your call for this week's pros versus Jays, and I'll give you a chance to respond to it. And he just dropped the football. It's a turnover, and VMI has it. Unbelievable. And that's it. I, I think by the book it was beautiful broadcasting. <laughs> I think if you were to make a manual of how to call a center quarterback snap exchange for the fourth turnover in a ball game was back and forth with ugliness. That's exactly how you should do it. That was a very dejected uh, very moment dejected. because ETSU had just made a big stop, and they were getting ready. I felt like because they were coming off a, a drive where they scored mm-hmm. and were getting ready to turn the corner to just go ground and pound, and they went ground and fumble. Immediately gave it right back to VMI. It was ground just one and of those. And pound the ground, yeah. Uh, it was just one of those. And I wish Hudson, I think, had a good finish to that because he started talking about he's getting heart palpitations because yes. the ebb and flow of the game was so drastic. A great high, then a low. A high, and a low. Happen, and, ne- yeah. and for somebody that didn't have a dog in a fight in the game, I feel like that would have been an entertaining game to watch just because you never knew when something like that was going to happen. But, yes, it was probably not my best call of uh, of the year so far, but certainly I think it fit the, the timing of everything. And if nothing else, if you were a Buck fan and you watched the entire, listened to the entire broadcast, you were feeling the same thing. You conveyed the emotion of what was going on in the moment, and that, after all, is the job of a play-by-play man. Now, I don't know why that call reminded me of these calls because they're very drastically different. But at the end of the 2003 NFL season, there were – two teams that needed to win in order to get into the playoffs in week 17. The New Orleans Saints and the Minnesota Vikings. Of course, it kind of reminds me because Minnesota, of course, being from Minnesota, I was 14 years old. That was the height of my Minnesota Viking fandom. And in fact, the play that we'll hear in a few moments is the one that broke my spirit, broke my fandom, and I never really had come all the way back on board until the Minneapolis Miracle in the playoffs last year. We're going to save that one, though, because I want to I want to compare really your call and the appropriateness of it to the appropriateness of these next couple of calls because both of these NFL calls kind of got ripped apart in different ways. Jacob, let's go ahead and play the first one. Two wideouts to the left, one to the right from the shotgun. Brooks pumps, throws down the near sideline to Stallworth, and Stallworth tries to get away from some people and does to the 38-yard line. He needs a block. He needs a couple. There, they're going to lateral the ball to Michael Lewis. Michael Lewis tries to stay alive. He'll lateral it to Deuce. Deuce needing help. He laterals across the field, and the Saints are going to take it in with Payton. If this is legal, they've done it. Jerome (laughs) Payton diving into the end zone. You can't tell me that I just witnessed what I just saw take place. All sorts of incredible plays along the line. This extra point to tie. For the Saints to stay alive, pending the extra point by John Carney. And he missed No! It. He missed the extra point wide right. Oh, my God. How could he do that? So it was the last play of the game, and it was one of those laterals, try and just do everything you can, much like the play in the open, Stanford Cal, where the Bears have won. So that was the Saints. John Carney misses the extra point. This is back when extra points were 19 yards. They're not the 33-yard extra points. And so that was, on the last play of the game, triple zeros on the clock. New Orleans needing that extra point to get to overtime against Jacksonville to keep their playoff hopes alive. And Jacksonville was atrocious that year. And so the thought 
of them not beating the Jaguars in a must-win game was beyond what any Saints fan would have thought. You heard the reaction. That was Jim Henderson, just retired. And I think, it was, I think it's Riley um, – Oh, why can't I remember his name? Uh, but it's a former offensive lineman for the Saints that's now calling games, even though he had no prior play-by-play experience. Broadcasting community was all up in arms about that. But that was the call from Jacksonville, and that was Jim Henderson with the Saints in Jacksonville for that call. And so this one is the Minnesota Vikings with the clock rolling in Arizona, needing a win. They're up, I think it's five points with Arizona on like the 25-yard line, and the Vikings needing a stop to keep them out of the end zone to get to the playoffs. Yeah, and the clock continues to run, PA. 17, 16, 15. See, they have to go deep into the end zone. We better put some people in the end zone, right, Joe? That's exactly right. I mean, Get there's nobody there. inside the 10. Get back, guys. Here it is. The season's on the line. Two receivers left and right. McCown takes the snap. He steps up. He's all by himself. Fires into the end zone. Caught! Touchdown! No! No! The Cardinals have knocked the Vikings out of the playoffs. There are Minnesota Vikings crying on the field. I mean, Paul Allen is one of the best in the business, I think. Some of his calls have gone viral, especially the Minneapolis Miracle one. That at the time, and the reason I think I remember these two side by side is Bob Valvano used to be a uh, ESPN late night host. Uh Excuse me. Wow. I almost almost died there. I'm getting choked up just thinking about it. But he was brilliant on the late night programs on ESPN radio. And he compared them side by side. He absolutely shredded Jim Henderson and said, that is horrendously unprofessional. Let's play a real professional call and someone that handled the situation a bit better. And he said that Paul Allen did so. Your thoughts on those? Very different from the situation that the Bucks were in, but disappointment for your team is the underlying theme here. You very dejected, quiet, somber versus, of course, final play of the game for each of those teams. So, of course, there's more excitement, more energy. But uh, two broadcasters, if you include yourself, three broadcasters that handled things very differently. Well, I didn't handle it real well. I'll give you that. Uh, I, <laughs> Do you now, think now, you resemble now, more of the Saints broadcast? Now, well, I'll say this. Though. The game isn't on the line. I've called right. many of uh, game winners, whether it's a, a, a walk-off homer for the opposing team, it's a last-second field goal, a game-winning bucket, and I've given it the proper in- energy it deserves because the game's on the line. Yeah. And then I get dejected immediately afterwards. So sure. I'm a little bit more of the Paul Allen in general. I, I tend to be a little more – fan, if you will, middle of the game. Which is your job. Right. And, and, and an that, that was going to be my, my argument is you're calling to a certain group. I, I've never made a call thinking how does the national media feel about my call? Right. I, it's never entered my mind, not one second. Right. You know, is this going to go viral? Is this, is, I'm just trying to make ETSU fans happy. And I'm really just trying to make ETSU fans feel the emotion. Right. The emotion of that fumble was about the dejection it deserved, right? Just for how the game was going. In a last-second situation, again, I've called many of heartbreaking losses. You hit a game winner, you give that call the proper – or a, a missed shot to win a game. I've done that too. You give it the proper it goes, you wait a second, wait a second, then you give the pure kind of the no, you know, right? Paul Allen's, no! I mean, yeah. you give one of those. Like, or, oh, God, how could he do that? <laughs> you know, we, I, I can't – there was a there was a layup at, at – Char- I want to say it was Charleston Southern maybe. That, and a, a, there was a year where the Bucks actually hit a tip in and win, and a couple years later they missed it. And, and, I mean, it was the same. And I went back and actually played the call side by side, and it sounded about the same as it went. Huh. One tip in went in, one didn't. But at the time, the ball's hanging on around both ways, right? So you're giving it the, the, the same bit. So certainly, I think as a last second, call's different than middle of the game. Definitely. But to defend uh, Jim Henderson, I mean, his, his, his job, and he didn't care about what, what is everybody else in the world thinking about. He's just thinking about it what, was a, shock what and awe, the, right? That's right. What are the Saints talking about? What do they want to do? Well, they talk about Bob Valvano. That's Jim uh, Valvano's brother. Yep. He's done a couple of ETSU games in his career before, uh, so I've had a chance to meet Bob, who I, who I like. I think does a good job overnight. I never heard him play by public. He is brilliant on the radio. Oh, when he's played the match game, is my favorite overnight. Yep. And then we drop back. And I drop back uh, many a nights uh, from a place. It'd be 2, 3 in the morning, like I would listen to, to Bob. six that he did oh, the show. Yeah. It was and, incredible. At a Louisville. And, and, and a lot of people, a lot of those shows sometimes are recorded. He actually yeah. did most of it live, wow. which is impressive for that but uh to defend both guys i think they're both equally fine in what they did i think allen's call would i would hope i did more of what allen would do in a last second situation but you know in the middle of the game i think you can be a little more flippant with the oh god we turn it over type deal as opposed to a game winning situation that 
that that's happening and going. So I, I think that that's it. I, they're all, but again, I wouldn't worry about, and I've never again thought about, man, how's ESPN going to rip me up if I if I don't how's give Mike this Gallagher call? How's Mike Gallagher on Pros vs. Jays going to rip you apart on Monday if you don't get a call? Yeah, right? never. Uh, clearly, well, I didn't think about thinking that. about it, Jay. It's a new era, new day. <laughs> that's fair. That's uh, all I got. Bold predictions coming up next. We'll see what I got right, what Mike got wrong as soon as we step out for a time with Sandus and the sidekick. You can download us on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Jacob Townsend will grade us after this time out on the Buccaneer Sports Network. Let Ferguson's knowledgeable product experts kick off your next kitchen or bath project with the latest in touch and hands-free faucets. High-performance gas ranges. Or low-decibel dishwashers. They're really quiet. Request your appointment today at fergusonshowrooms.com. The best decision ever. Visit your local Ferguson showroom at 1000 Quality Circle in Johnson City and choose from an extensive lighting collection of the most sought-after brands. Find the one-of-a-kind fit for your home at Ferguson. Purchasing a new home, remodeling your home, First Bank and Trust makes applying for a loan easy. Our online application process is designed to allow you to stop anytime and pick up where you left off when it works for you. And after you submit an online application, you can check your loan status anytime. Visit or call me, Rose Fulton, today for help with your purchase, refinance, construction, or home loan. We're there for all your mortgage needs because we're your bank for life. Equal housing lender, member FDIC. This is the Pepsi that your father drank and your grandfather drank. When I was your age, we were... This is the Pepsi that your Uncle Ted drank when rock sounded like this. This is the Pepsi for American pastimes. Whether you're tailgating at a speedway or courtside watching your favorite player make a breakaway... He scores! This is the Pepsi for those who are forever fun. This is the Pepsi for every generation. Known for its personalized service and friendliness, the environment at the Johnson City Country Club is comfortable, casual, and inviting. One of the greatest assets is the beautiful clubhouse. From the sweeping verandas, the fireplace in the massive ballroom, to our intimate private dining rooms to our 19th hole. The clubhouse accommodates all desires. For decades, the Johnson City Country Club has been host to numerous wedding receptions, business meetings, golf outings, and an array of social functions. The setting is ideal for any event in any season. Whether your function is large or small, your guests will enjoy a fine dining experience with professional, courteous attention. The Johnson City Country Club, a tradition since 19. No one knows better than the Bucks what it takes to compete on the college level. No one knows better than Bullseye what it takes to compete in the business market. At Bullseye, we provide innovative products and services to help our customers meet their business objectives, and you can count on us for graphic design, printing, mailing services, and much more. Bullseye, a preferred partner of the ETSU Athletic Department. Call Bullseye in Johnson City at 423-283-7772 or visit us on Hanover Road near Cheddar's. Bullseye. For all your printing needs. LeBron is a Laker. Four-year, $154 million, a max deal. I'm ecstatic. I think it was the right situation, the right call for him to make. He wasn't going to get anything accomplished in Cleveland. That was obvious. ESPN has announced the network's new broadcast team for the 49th season of Monday Night Football. Former Dallas Cowboys tight end Jason Witten, who recently announced his retirement after a 15-year pro career, will immediately jump into the analyst role. LeVar Ball's big baller brand has gotten an F rating from the Better Business Bureau. The Browns dropped the ball all year long. Unfortunately, a team, a coach, an organization, not good enough to earn one win. The only win in the last two years came on Christmas Eve. Now here we are on New Year's Eve, talking about a team that will go down as one of the worst in NFL history. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. A simple wrong would have done just fine. Drop the ball again. LeVar Ball? I was all Browns. over that. LeVar Ball that. too, yeah. The Cleveland Browns just invent uh, ways to lose. I mean, invent ways to lose. And I did not pick uh, the Cleveland Browns this week. Jacob Townsend back in studio is our moderator, scorekeeper, the one to hammer us on our Predictions that are mostly wrong. Jacob, can we first hello. go over standings? Because, hello, we're getting to a point now where I think we're, what, three, four weeks in where we're really starting to pile up some numbers here. And I think that right now, coming into this week, and it's not going to be pretty for me this week, I can already tell you that, but I am ahead. You were ahead. We've, we've went for three weeks. You were at three and six for three weeks, Mike. Not Jay, bad. With bold predictions. Two and seven. Two, two and seven. seven. Okay. So that's, that's sound, that sounds false. That's okay. A, that sounds incorrect. Well, well much there, like many of your predictions. Not, let's not forget that there is that one going back a couple weeks to Mike's volleyball prediction. 
that is still There's in an the asterisk. Ab- I've got an asterisk. It's still on in that. the appeal process. Haven't heard from Angry Man and Crazy Coach on their decisions yet, mm. but it's still in the appeal process. You two are okay. incorrigible. Okay, uh, go ahead, Jacob. What do we got for this week? This week, you all texted me on Friday since we didn't have a show on Friday. Jay, for your ETSU football prediction, you said the Bucks were in by 21, by more than 21, excuse me. They only won by 327 to 24, but hey, a win's a win. A win's a win, but it does not count in the standings or bowl predictions. It Let's is, just put it that it way. Is, it is not. But but most important part, Bucks W. That's right. That's what Randy Sanders would say. He got a cigar and a Diet Pepsi out of it. Diet Pepsi. Pepsi. Correct. Attaboy. Uh, Mike, your ETSU football prediction was Jacob Sailors would get uh, over 125 yards rushing. He actually only got three carries for seven yards. <laughs> But did get two catches for 51 for a total of 58. You still come up short in rushing yards by 118. I still think he played well. Now, that is why I kind of was uh, hammering Kevin Brown earlier on, and I will have to ask Randy Sanders this as well, just so I'm aware for bold predictions going forward. Is the carry split going to be more like what we saw, 21 carries for Quay Holmes versus three for Jacob Sailors going forward? Because I thought Jacob Sailors was primed for a breakout-type game, and, and because he had played so well and he was getting, I wouldn't want to say even split with Quay Holmes, but it was relatively close, and, and then all of a sudden just drastically goes the other way. Now, I also will say this. Things did not go how I envisioned them going weather-wise on Friday. I was picturing it being a slot fest and us going 40, 50 times on the ground with Quay Holmes and Jacob Sailors, and then maybe you would have had those statistics more skewed towards correct as opposed to being so drastically inaccurate as they were. But uh, Jacob Sailors, still a pretty good game, I think. Yeah, you were still wrong. Okay, okay. Uh, Jay, your college football prediction this week was Arizona State would lose to San Diego State. I can't believe you. First time maybe ever that a team won because of a targeting foul, but the fighting Rocky Longs of San Diego State did win 28-21. to He is the smartest man in the universe. How dare you pick against Sir Edwards? Listen, I'm not happy with the uh, targeting call late, but you know what? It's, uh, it happens. And, and to be honest, it, the – I'm all for Herm. I, I hope Herm wins another, you know, seven, eight games uh, just to prove everybody else wrong. But I felt like normally when media turns to you're uh, the worst hire of all time to now this is the most genius thing of all time, there's always a letdown. It just it happens that way. Plus, let's be honest, San Diego State wasn't a bad team. I mean, that's that was really more of what I was going with was San Diego State wasn't a bad team. Arizona State's coming off a win. Those kids are, you know, they just beat Michigan State. You know, they were ranked. Feeling pretty good about themselves. Exactly. These are kids. They haven't quite figured out how to win. They don't have a a winning culture yet at Arizona State. So I I thought they were primed for the pick. And I had a couple of college games I was going with uh, that actually fared well for me uh, that I had written down. But that was the one I turned in and happy to get the dub. I'm very upset with you for picking that. But I will say this. If I was not such a Herm Edwards apologist, Looking on paper, that was the perfect game to pick because it's a team on the road that isn't used to success, that's under a new head coach, that are coming off a win over a ranked team, big upset, like you said. Everything that you said is absolutely correct. So I will say, while smartest man in the universe may be going over the top, I do give you credit for that one. And that's number three for you, and uh, that means you're going to tie me because, Jacob, I didn't do so well. No, and hey, Arizona State had a celebrity on the sideline, probably got in their head a little bit, Phil Mickelson in all black. Oh, Phil the God. thrill, give it to me. So all unathletic. Right, Mike. You said Iowa State over Oklahoma for the second straight year in a row. Didn't happen. Sooners won 37 to 27. So, just when I think you couldn't possibly be any dumber. I was feeling pretty good about it going to the fourth quarter, and then things just didn't end up materializing. Here's my thing I'm never going to pick a game where the team that's unranked, going for the upset, or like lower ranked is on the road. So I didn't have much to pick from this week, quite honestly. You looked at all of the uh, games where you would have thought perhaps an upset had happened. You know, most of the teams that were higher ranked were at home. And so I had only two or three to think about, and that Iowa State one, oh, man. For whatever reason, I have a love affair with Iowa State football. And clearly, much like Iowa State fans uh, know, in Cyclone Nation, it has not gone very well over the years ever since Seneca Wallace and The Play. Uh, I was thinking Seneca Wallace may walk through that door and create another The Play. Uh, but uh, that, uh, what's his name, Kyler? Uh, what's our quarterback at Oklahoma? He's the ninth overall Kyle pick Murray. of Oakland. Yeah, yeah, oh, he's brilliant. I mean, the, oh, I don't know how he finessed that deal with the athletics to be able to get this year at Oklahoma. I don't know if. He gets injured if there's a clause that says, okay, you got to give a couple million of your signing bonus back, whatever it is. But he looks brilliant on the football field, probably going to be a brilliant pitcher too. All right. Uh, Jay, you gave me an NFL prediction this week. You had the Bills coming back after a brutal loss last week to Baltimore to beat the Chargers. You were wrong. <laughs> Chargers won 31-20. You 
stupid, silly man. Yeah, that was awful. I, I, I don't mean, I can't even defend it. Mike, horrible. what'd you do? Uh, I I did Oakland and Denver, which I thought oh, was, was good. I thought it was pretty solid. And you see Cleveland and Oakland ending up with much the same. Yeah. Uh, Oakland uh, couldn't run out the clock. Well, Oakland couldn't run out the clock. And then Cleveland, of course, as we said, finding ways to look. I just love just when I think John Gruden. You couldn't possibly oh, there it is. And I deserve that. Dumb. I love John Gruden. I love Herm Edwards. I'm riding with them this year. So uh, for me, that was an obvious one. Unfortunately, didn't go my way. Thanks, Jacob. No All problem. Right. All right, Jacob. Just a few. Just make me feel better. The official uh, tallies now, or or what again? Everybody is three and nine, batting two fifty. Hey, hey, and bold predictions, though. That's fair. I mean, it's one thing if we're taking these locks of the week and doing this, that, and the other. But let's be honest. It's tough to go fifty percent or better if you're trying to go bold and outrageous. And uh, sometimes our picks maybe not outrageous, but we we try to get at least bold with you. So. Jake, we'll see you on Friday, buddy. I'll try to do better. I hope Mike uh, loses every game again. So that'll do it for Sanderson and the Sidekick. Big thanks to Jacob Townsend in the studio, Mike Gallagher, also our special guest, Kevin Brown. Tomorrow we hope to hear from Dan Scott, voice of the Furman Paladins. We start to break down the Bucks and the Paladins. Sanderson Sidekick on SoundCloud and on iTunes. Back with more tomorrow. This is the Buccaneer Sports Network.